0: Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. You know what? Just for that, I'm going to go get a beer. Do it.
3: (laughs) I've got one here, too. Don't need to break glass, man.
2: (laughs) Good Lord. What is he doing? I have no idea, (laughs)
0: Drew, hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Drew.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: No snacks.
1: I just ate like a half a kilo and pie, I'm good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Are you
3: everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast, where tonight, this morning, this evening, this afternoon, wherever you may be, whatever time it is that you're listening to this,
1: we will be discussing the
3: fate of Purdue baseball, who has lost eight of their last nine. No, no, of course not. We do feel bad for Purdue baseball, but obviously the topic du jour, if you will, is the basketball team is on to the Sweet 16, having beaten Cal State Fullerton and Butler. So we have right here... Ice Fresh Boiler Gold from People's Brewing. People's Brewing, throw us money and we'll spot. you can sponsor us and we'll sell beer for you. But uh, yes, we have a four-man pod tonight. First of all, we have fresh back from Detroit, we have Casey Bartley. How are things, Casey, after your long drive back from Ann Arbor in Detroit?
0: There's no such thing as fresh back from Detroit.
3: <laughs> well, I know you were up on eight miles, so.
0: Yeah, man Juan kicked it. <laughs> M&M style. Our second guest
3: this evening is Andrew Ledman from our nation's capital. How you doing, Andrew?
2: I am doing super. Just made myself a Roman coke with a nice, fresh lime.
3: And speaking of <laughs> limes... That relates to our third guest tonight, Literally who said he ate have... half of a key lime pie. That's Drew Schneider in Manhattan, Kansas. How are you doing in the Little Apple?
1: I'm undefeated today. Every school that I'm associated with is in the Sweet 16. Got the Purdue victory. We got the Clemson undergrad victory. We got the Texas AM grad school victory. Currently live in Manhattan for the Kansas State win. Where,
0: oh, and we would got... you like us to send the bandwagon trophy directly to your house, or?
1: I've had to live in all of those godforsaken places. So I get to claim their basketball. Tomorrow. Oh, and we, we can also
3: throw Kendall Stevens with Nevada since he's a former boiler and Bruce Weber, former Purdue assistant with uh, Kansas state. I don't want Bruce Weber.
0: <laughs> he can stay. <laughs> so obviously the, game. the,
3: the news of the day being the win over Butler. And uh, how was it in the arena today? Casey,
0: to be honest, it was ruined by the fact that Michigan state fans had all the tickets. It, it, As good of a game as that was between Butler and Purdue, it never, like, neither crowd fully was able to, like, fill the place because, like, 70% of them were Spartan fans.
1: I am so glad that 70% of the fans got to watch Michigan State lose. I feel like that's (laughs) almost better than having a lot of Purdue fans there is having a lot of Michigan State fans have to, like, sit through and watch them lose.
0: That makes me very happy. I get that there's a certain like tickets and getting in and out arrangement that even the two sessions was difficult to get back in. But there has to be a better option than that. You shouldn't be able to freeze out, you know, most of an entire fan base.
3: Well, it's probably just by uh, it's probably just by what's available, even on the secondary market and everything, because, of course, they're going to grab them up when they're so close.
0: Right. Um, Which I guess is an advantage, but that you should get as a higher seed. But Michigan State was only a three seed.
3: True. Um, But I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that Michigan didn't get that spot either, but yeah, well, we, who cares about Michigan state? We're talking about teams that actually are still
0: playing. I I just think the NCAA tournament is like the coolest fan concept. It's the best experience for a game to go to. And it should be possible that you go and see your team playing half the seats in a stadium should not be empty because the later game has the tickets.
3: I've only been twice and the first time I went was in 1990 when Purdue was the two seat here in Indy. My dad managed to get tickets. I have no idea how he got them, but we were playing at the RCA dome and we were like way up high, but, uh, you know, there there was a pretty good Purdue crowd there. And then the only other time I've been is I scalped a ticket the last minute and I went to the Duke Butler game, uh, when Butler almost beat him. So I was game too. Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's Those first and second round games are so weird because even back then, you've got eight teams, at, and back then it was in, you know, gigantic dome with still tons of empty seats and everything, and we were way, way up high, but we couldn't get down lower because, well, we didn't have those tickets or anything. And it's like, okay, why can't we just move down behind the Purdue section? Because I think, I think back then in the other evening session was like, georgetown with alonzo morning and um dakima matumbo and it's like why can't we move down there because they're not even playing in the first session in the morning
0: well, yeah it's weird i don't i don't know if there's an easy fix but with phones now and the things we can do mobilely and identification wise it'd be nice if we could if we could come up with some concept whether it is stretch out the games more um you know we have that weird little stretch in the middle of the game middle of the day where there's no games playing maybe just go ahead and offset all the tournaments maybe have another tournament location don't hold it all uh that many games in one place i obviously i don't know the the money factor of all that it's a big expense they go to a you know big deal to treat all the players and teams and media but it would just be nice that if the tournament the the fan experience and the crowd equaled the weight of the moment and how great these games have been
3: I agree, and it, it's tricky because you know, I'm a John Purdue Club member, and I got the email to buy tickets, and I think they said there were only something like 400 tickets available. And even as a John Purdue Club member, I couldn't buy them and be like, okay, I can buy them, and I know somebody in Detroit uh, that would be willing to pay me for them because I have to be the one that shows up with the ID to pick them up at Will call. So even if I were lucky enough to get in the lottery and everything and buy two for Boston this coming week, unless I'm in Boston
2: to pick them up for somebody else, I can't buy them for somebody else. Yeah, that That's an absurd system. I mean it's not 1992. Right. We, Like Casey said, we have the technology. Everyone there has a smartphone. You're telling me someone can't come up with a better way to – like you can buy a ticket for just the one game instead of the entire session mm-hmm. – like Casey was talking about, or Travis, like you're talking about, there's got to be a better way to get tickets to the fans who actually want them rather than, you know, having to go through this whole rigmarole of winding up somewhere where you don't want to be. And while we're talking about these first round games, can we talk about the fact that there are some in Boise? What, <laughs> what is that about? Boise always brings it. There there are there's people there's in always the West
0: crazy Coast.
3: stuff that happens out there.
2: Like there are people out there, Ledman. Boise is not the West Coast. Have you seen a map of the United States? It's Wester. Oh, well. <laughs> but, I mean, if if you're a fan and your team gets sent to Boise, Idaho, are you like...
0: It was on my no-fly list. Like, I definitely did not want Boise.
2: So, you're making my point for me. I,
0: I get it. But, when you have that many sites, you're probably going to have to put, like, one or two in no man's land.
2: Yeah, because I know
3: Spokane's another one where they usually are out there and that always seems to be where they stick the couple of four seeds that don't really fit in with anything else. Cause I think the, the protected seeds that were out there this time, I think it was Ohio state and uh, yeah, I think it was like two, four seeds were your top seeds out there. So, but uh, anyway, who cares about all that? Um,
0: we do. That's why we're yelling about it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> to be honest, like to offer just one suggestion, if you did the single game purchase the whole worry is to get them out for the next game. Right. So just take their credit card and make it like, here's a deposit. You pay $160 for this one game. When you leave, come check out your ticket. And as you leave, you get refunded the other half.
3: Yeah, I I, I can see that. and That I
0: would make like the, the NCAA whole... more money and allow them to be bigger assholes. So I think it's a win-win for them.
2: Or, I mean, you know, that would cause a huge line and I think would be a problem. But what you could do is... Literally, if you want to buy one ticket instead of the session, you have to download this app on your phone. If you stay in the location past the first game, once tip-off of the second
1: game starts,
0: automatic then you, charge. Then you have to agree to being tracked, and that's how the government wins.
1: Okay. And you know what I think might work, guys? No, just kidding. I don't give a shit about this at all.
0: <laughs> I was so shocked that you had something to offer.
1: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> More Key lime Pie. That's the <laughs> everybody uh, just fast forwarded to the last that five minutes. There the we way. go. Yeah. A, All right, let's go to it game. Super boring. I almost fell asleep.
3: So, you know, we, we obviously had two games here this weekend. I don't think that there's a lot to say about Cal state Fullerton because we were winning that game regardless. And I can you know, one we, thing, well, yes, obviously. But, uh, you know, I, on the play that Haas got injured and it's just, to me, it's absurd that he gets hooked and thrown to the floor. And see, all it is this is a regular times factor. this year. Yeah. Oh,
0: more than that. Yeah.
3: And, and it's just like, you know, we're going to have that, that. What if factor now, if, and when we lose a game here in this tournament, and it, it's just going to be just ridiculously unfair that he's not going to get to finish his season because some anonymous forward from Cal state Fullerton hooks him and throws him to the floor when they're down 20 points. And it's just, ah, yeah. And that just pisses me off. There's got to be, there's got to be something. It's like, yeah. we're, we're owed justice for that. Yeah. I don't
2: even know the guy's name. I mean, I no,
3: I, just, just some guy, he was out of position. He, there was no way he was going to get the rebound and everything. And he hooks him right under the, uh, right under the armpit and pulls him to the ground. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's tough because this has literally been an issue for four years and it has not gotten better at all. It's a talking point every year. And I don't want to hear this painter should yell more on the sidelines or talk to officials. I guarantee you, he does. You can watch him do it. That's if you've ever played a basketball game, officials don't like you yelling at them. It doesn't work the way you want it to.
2: Or like the fans think it does. Every fan on Twitter thinks, oh, if painter would just yell more. We'd get all the calls.
3: Yeah, no. he needs no. to get mad and get a tech because, you know, Izzo gets mad and get a tech and that changes everything, but
0: whatever. What would Izzo do? That's how I live my life.
3: Yeah, uh, He would lose, and I probably don't want to do what, what Izzo would do, but that's usually uh, prosecutable in a court of law.
0: It is a systematic issue like a lot of things, and it's hard to it, basketball is such such an open world with all the leagues and all the variables and all the different conferences and NBA and AAU, it's it's almost a problem that's too big to tackle but you would think in college basketball you would have a better answer than just continuously letting the same thing happen over and over
3: and and this is different i mean there's always going to be parallels to the hummel injury obviously but this is different because the hummel injury he just plants and his knee gives way that's fine i mean crap like that happens unfortunately And, but this is, you know, this is a legitimate, I'm not saying the kid was trying to hurt him. I don't think he was trying to hurt him. But at the same time, he's pulling a move that's not even close to a basketball move. And it ends up costing him, you know, the NCAA tournament ends up costing us, you know, potentially a deep run if we're not able to win the next two or so. And it's just just absolutely ridiculous. So I think the NCAA, since Haas averages 14.7 points per game, we start every game with a fifteen nothing lead now. I mean I yeah. think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm I, fine with it.
0: I mean, I'm not because I can't think of I mean, do you know how bad Purdue is with a fifteen point lead? <laughs>
3: well, we'll deal with it.
0: We we don't.
3: Yeah, true.
0: We'd be down thirty at half.
3: <laughs> but uh Obviously, today, you know, transitioning here with leads and everything, we had the 10-point lead, and it gets down to two, and Butler gets a run out and then with a chance to tie. How about that block from Vince, though? I mean, I mean that was, was just incredible.
0: We had pretty much, in a span of a minute, two career-defining plays. Right. Vince Edwards coming down, chasing that block, really showing off the extra athleticism that he has this year, um, the effort, the timing, the intelligence, all of that to be able to make that play. And then at the other end, when Dakota comes up and finally breaks through after a three-minute offensive, just hell of offense, just we barely got shots up. We threw him the ball. We invited them back in that game.
3: And Dakota was able – It's like, oh, okay. In that three-minute stretch, it's like – we completely forgot every fundamental rule of basketball. We didn't attack. We had nothing going to the basket. All we're doing is weaving out on the top of the key. And we're like, oh, we'll get it to Carson. Carson will do something. Well, Carson can't do anything when he's dribbling into three guys. And I mean, I kind of think funny. part of it
1: was Carson's fault, though. And I think that's why Painter sat him out. I think yeah, he wasn't I think good. He's, he spent a lot of time just sort of dancing and dribbling around the three point line. And then. I feel like that's – I feel like Painter pulled him out of the game because he was dribbling the ball during that three-minute stretch way more than he probably should have been.
0: Yeah, but Vincent got caught up too. The big thing is that is the exact moment where having an Isaac Haas on your team is the biggest advantage you can ask for. Right. That is when we just get him the ball and they have nothing they can do – we are either going to get a decent look or he's going to get fouled. and that, It's not that was really, a
3: turnover, at least. That was the only part of the day where I was just really lamenting that he was out. And it's like, I know we had the slow start, but we still pulled in front, and we were able to get everything going. But that that last three-minute stretch, that's the only part of it is so effing unfair right now that we can't throw it to our seven foot two monster in the, in the, on the blow block.
0: And you say that was the only moment, but that's a lot because Matt Harms had a really good game. That was his Everybody. most complete performance, and he played a ton of minutes. He didn't get him in foul trouble. Ryan Klein made the joke in the locker room. I couldn't believe he didn't foul. It's the first time he has in all year. It's unbelievable, and he's exactly right. He didn't get him in foul trouble. He, didn't, he got the two fouls in a flurry, and it kind of just reminded you, like, oh, yeah, that's what he does. But for the rest of the game, he did a good job of not fouling. He's still way, way over chases for blocks. Mm -hmm. we lost a few rebounds just because he thinks he can get to every ball instead of just knowing when the when the guy is covered and has a tough angle it's better to just sit back block out use that seven three frame and get
2: the ball absolutely yeah there were were a couple those where not only did it result in butler getting a rebound but it resulted in them getting an easy putback bucket Mm -hmm.
0: yeah because he is the guy that's you know Responsible for the the best guy inside for the other team, so if he gets the ball back, they're gonna go up right away. Especially because Harms goes in so wild that he's not even close to being able to contest an offensive rebound.
3: Right, and but I I think what stood out today is everybody contributed. I mean, this this was like almost like our most complete team win in a very long time. I mean, you obviously have. Vince with his twenty, he was great. Matthias hits the big three with eleven. Uh, Carson, yeah, he struggled. Still managed to hit three big threes and uh, thirteen points. But you look, you look at everybody else. You have PJ Thompson, who from he came, from,
0: back. He came yeah. back from the dead,
3: and, and he had a solid game against Fullerton too, because he I think he had twelve against Fullerton. Mm-hmm. But you know, he hits a he gets those first five points when we weren't getting anything offensively, and then he had I think it was seven straight there to start the second half. You know, fourteen points from him is great. We don't normally get that from him, and that's the kind of thing that we're going to need going forward. And then you look at the bench too. You get Grady Eifert had a huge putback there and three big rebound, five rebounds five total. Five rebounds from Grady Eifert.
0: He and is that amazing. One play where he saved. The he ball, was where... amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. His defensive rotation is as good as I have seen in college basketball. Yeah, the. And- He was great. The play he got a steal on where he jumped out. It looked like an absolutely wide open layup and all of a sudden he is there, forces the kid the other way, and then just takes the ball.
2: It was phenomenal. And And he played seventeen minutes. Yeah. And it was good seventeen minutes. He's a good passer. And there wasn't there wasn't a minute a minute where I looked up and was like, Oh no, Grady Eifert's on the floor.
1: Wait, wait, I will say that I I did say that when I saw him go to the free throw line. uh hey let's, every let's time he it the free was throw off a of main basket go, oh, no. though so
0: you already got the two points
1: <laughs>
2: exactly Right shooting free throws. but i mean I, and i don't i don't say that to disparage him but at, you know when he's a walk-on you always wonder you know what they're going to give you and you know he's going to give you effort you know he's going to give you hustle but you know i think as a fan In most a
0: tournament round two game
2: yeah he's earned his minutes though
0: yeah, no, that's the whole thing. Like this yeah. isn't this isn't a road game in Milwaukee at the beginning of the year against Marquette. Yeah. We're we're two games deep in the NCAA tournament and he's really good.
3: Yeah. And we I mean, he will be con- a contributor next year for sure. Uh but you also look at everything else. You look at uh Klein. I know he only had 5 points but one on the drive that no one ever expects from him. Yeah. And then another, it was not his usual catch and shoot three. He just did the, okay, you're going to leave me open. Well, I'm just going to splash this right now. And he literally
0: just left him.
3: Yeah. They just what? left him. He's like, oh, that was dumb. I could not. Uh,
0: yeah. He was yeah. like, I couldn't believe he's like, there was some kind of miscommunication. I couldn't believe it. Sweet. Let me, I'm glad I splashed it.
3: Um, no I think we could get more out of him. He only had took one shot and made it.
0: Uh, um, that was just a case of PJ playing well.
3: Yeah, and PJ did play well, but I, I think Nojel well. can be—he can be a uh, very versatile guy for us. And then, uh, as I wrote about earlier tonight, how about Jaquiel Taylor? I mean, two points, one rebound, but this is a guy—he before the tournament he had played four minutes since Iowa, oh my god—and he comes in and he's asked. Basically to, all right, you've barely played. We need you to play some big minutes right now. And he did a lot of things that didn't show up in the box score. I mean, he was great on Kellen Martin defensively. And he was out running the floor. He was active. He kept rolling to the basket and looking to score. And that's that's what we need from him going forward. That's going to, you know, nobody's going to replace Haas individually. And I certainly do not expect Jaquil to do it. But, you know, give him a week to get back in sync with everybody else here that he knows he's going to get some minutes, and
0: he can be productive. Athletic bigs create a lot of space for shooters, and that's the biggest change offensive scheme-wise is we've got two guys now that just roll. They roll hard, they're long, and uh, off the ball, they have teams have to help on that. We're going to see that with Texas Tech. They yeah. have athletic bigs, and to have two of our own now that, that create easy looks pj thompson uh one of his threes was off of a whole lot of movement that started with the big guy sucking a help defender and then just finding the open man and I'm how about comfort-
3: pj working that backdoor cut to the easy layup too i thought he was gonna dunk it
2: <laughs> they it didn't roll like out he the was trampoline up. can he dunk
0: i don't know but that would have been a hell of a time to find out <laughs> do you remember lewis jackson attempting like three dunks in his career
2: Oh yes, he got one of them, I think. Yeah, no, he, he got one. He got one right in front of me when no. I was at a game, and it, it the I, one
0: that I, he lost, touched the rim, and then the ball went in.
2: No, a real dunk. Mm. I was there. Mm.
0: It was amazing.
3: Well, I I know uh, I saw Travis Carroll dunk once, but that was his senior year with He's Danville. He's foot tall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, was he gonna dunk at Purdue? I don't think so. I thought Travis. Wouldn't Travis Carroll only like six ten? Only six ten. six
1: ten. Yeah. I, mean, I think he had a really <laughs> long head that made him taller than he actually was. Right? <laughs> he was like six eight with like a really tall head. Hey, I, dynamite drop in Drew. Yeah. There we go.
3: <laughs> I think the biggest thing that we can take from this today is. We pulled off a win over a good Butler team. I mean, I'm not going to disparage them at all. They were they had their ups and downs, but it was a good win. And we had the quote-unquote bad game from Carson. He was 4 of 17 from the floor. He's not going to have many 4 of 17 nights. And no, I would,
0: I th- I, I would be got, willing
3: to bet that he's more likely to have a 40-point game in this tournament than another 4 of 17 game.
0: I
2: mean, that's a lot
3: of points. But
0: in a tournament game, that's a lot, a lot of
3: points. But that's what I said. He is more likely to have a
2: 40-point game yeah, we just saw than to go a 4 for 17 of 17 in again. tournament. I think he said another 4 for 17. Yeah, another yeah, 4 for 17. We just saw
0: him do that in a tournament. Uh, I've he's, never seen He's him not vote. doing it again. He, okay, well, that it doesn't matter. He's It's going to fall somewhere in between. We've had three straight bad to not good Carson games. Yeah. After almost a full season of great Carson.
3: Yeah, he's gone 4 of 16, he 4 is, of 12, 4 of 17. So I immediately regret everything that I just said. <laughs>
0: he he is primed to have a bounce back but at the same time big games tough spots he does tend to press the issue and, he and was you gotta know that. that there is a mental like haas isn't here we don't have our release valve anymore it's yeah. gotta be me yeah but that can't be the mindset it's gotta be us the ball's gotta move um mm-hmm. dakota had a couple really tough shots that he made vincent's capable i mean vincent was the best player on the on the court
2: oh absolutely
0: he was incredible and he's the one that's going to take up a lot of those iso possessions that Haas has right cuz he is so effective in that in that long mid range squaring up it's usually it's it's the place where defenses don't stop you from getting the ball so he can get it there any time so the fact that he's so good at both shooting from there and making quick, shifty moves just makes him an uh, iso-nightmare. And I think that's got to be our release valve. And Carson has to just tone it down a bit, find a shot. He was still only 3 of 10 from deep. So it really wasn't his jumper that was off. It was just forcing it to the rim and getting caught in bad situations when he couldn't blow by a guy.
3: Yeah, and he ha- he only had two turnovers, but they came in a huge sp- Yes, they were both at the end.
1: I feel like he was looking for fouls driving to the basket that they weren't they weren't there. There, there like were a couple not, that I, should I, have I been. I like three or four, three or four of those drives to the basket. He went up looking for somebody to run into, and did and didn't get the call. Um, I think that that was part of the problem. I feel like you probably should have probably had somewhere between six or eight more free throws, which would have obviously changed the scoreline around a little bit.
3: I just know Dakota's shot, depending on how far we go, that that's one of the biggest shots that we have had in an NCAA tournament game ever. And he had, he actually is the second time he's done it because he hit a big one late against little rock that should have put the game away. And, uh, they went down and, uh, I, I we know think it put us up four.
2: we know what happened after that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. But he hit one that should have stopped the bleeding, but instead, you know, we just laid there and bled out. But yeah, I mean, to come off that screen and knock that down when we weren't attacking the basket or anything, I mean, that was just wow. I mean, it was it was an impressive shot. It was a clutch shot. And it's one of the first times I can actually remember we hit the big shot as opposed to someone hitting the big shot against us. And, And that's a relief.
0: Mentioning oh. Little Rock makes me think of Texas Tech. Hold Same on, Coach Chris Beard. I'm not moving on entirely, but okay. um, I think the thing with Butler, the thing I was most excited about getting into the NCAA tournament was not playing a Big Ten team for a while. Yeah, I really think it's a it's a disadvantage to Purdue to play teams that are used to them because so many of our guys are so that have been around so long in the Big Ten, they all know. And playing Butler is like playing another Big Ten team because they know all our guys.
2: Absolutely, I think that mm-hmm. was as
0: tough a second round matchup as we were gonna have, and I think the fact that we were able to overcome that, able to win despite Keelan Martin going off for twenty nine.
1: Yeah, how many games do you think Butler's ever lost with him going off for almost third, for twenty nine? I mean, that's that's Butler's Butler's best game if he can if he can score a bunch of points for him. He was great um, today. Yeah, that, I, I yeah, feel like that's their best shot to win, and we we took their best shot and beat him.
0: And that's what good teams do. They win when the other team is playing well.
3: Yeah. Okay. He had 35 at Seton Hall, and they lost a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, they're they're so dependent on him to score points.
3: He also had 30 in a loss to Villanova, and 34 in an overtime loss to Xavier.
2: Well, there goes your whole point, Drew.
1: Yeah, those are all. I mean, those are all. Those are all teams. What still in the tournament other than Seton Hall? Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
3: But I mean, he 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 really played well today. He impressed me a lot. I mean, he was of the type of anytime he shot, I thought it was going in. And you just can't do a lot when a guy's doing that. I know he he hit a couple of those threes early on, and you're just like, if he's hitting these shots,
0: it's going to be a big game
1: for him. Vince getting a foul trouble early really sort of helped that out because he's a way better matchup than he just bullied Dakota. I mean, okay, there was
0: no chance Vincent was guarding Keelan. They kind of locked him down the last matchup.
1: Uh, Vince was guarding Keelan the first five six minutes of the game, no, and Jaquiel
3: had Jaquiel stopped him on like three or four possessions. <laughs> on help? No, one on one.
0: Klein came in and got the Keelan assignment.
3: Uh, Klein did well on him. I think Klein forced a
2: turnover. Or he either forced a turnover
0: Air or a jumper. shot clock violation. Airball ball jumper, or barely off the front rim.
2: Okay, before we move <laughs> on to the next game. And you two and you three can stop talking about Martin from Butler because <laughs> uh, this is a Purdue podcast after all. Hey, yeah.
0: Keelan came onto the bus, onto really? Purdue's bus after the game and congratulated the team. That dude's a stand up. We can talk yeah.
2: about him. I have nothing against the, him as a person. I, I, he, I'm sure he's a great individual. I'm just saying. Kevin just wants to stay on topic. Yeah. So there are two things I think that have to be said. Goes to what Drew was talking about. Vince Edwards got in foul trouble. With what he had, there were like 15 minutes left when he got his second foul. Yep. And then he got his third right before halftime. Yeah. Got his third right before halftime. Painter used him masterfully Uh, that first half. I mean, it was absolutely incredible the way he kept him in that game, subbed him out on defense as much as possible to keep him out of foul trouble, especially when Butler knew he had two fouls and knew that if they could drive on him, if they could get him to be sloppy, they could get him to get that third foul, he was going to go to the bench, and it would change the entire complexity complexion of that game. And the way Painter used him and the way Vincent played the rest of that first half was an absolute masterpiece.
0: Yeah, Painter was doing two things. Whenever, whenever a dead ball happened, if Purdue had the ball, Vincent came in, guaranteed the offense possession, and then anytime there was a dead ball and it was a Butler possession, he came out. And then the other thing, he put Vincent on Thompson, which is not normally who he would guard. Thompson's a little guard who just can't shoot. So Vincent could just play off of him and not get his body into him. It was really, really well
3: done. I agree. And yeah, this was probably one of Painter's better coached games, especially with the... You know, you have only 48 hours to adjust to losing a major part of your offense, and we still managed to put up 76 points, which is pretty good considering what we lost.
2: Yeah. I mean, the other thing I was going to say is it kind of goes together, but I mean, just what kind of a game Vincent Edwards had. I mean, I know it was mentioned before, but six of eight from the floor, two for two from three, six for six from the line. Um, I mean, he he did have some struggles there in the second half he had those turnovers that were pretty big but i mean you know 20 points uh four rebounds two assists a steal a block and the block couldn't have been bigger um i mean this was probably the best game he's had this year mhm and that's that's the type of game we're going to need to move forward exactly
1: he had that sweet little drop off to pj for the layup yeah yeah, yeah I, that was one of my uh personal favorite that uh, plays
3: I want to say this was his fourth uh, NCAA tournament game where he's had twenty points or more as well. Because uh, even even in yeah, he had twenty one in both wins last year, so Vermont and Iowa State, and he had twenty four against Little Rock. Well, he played like fifty minutes, didn't he? Uh, I think 49.
2: so. Something I think he like forty nine minutes.
3: Forty, yeah, forty one minutes. But he had a tw- he had a twenty four thirteen against Little Rock, so it was not his fault we lost that game. <laughs> so you know, Vince is a guy he brings it for the tournament. I mean, four games over twenty points when we this was his eighth NCAA tournament game. Yeah, and one and we're and we're three three and one you know in those games. So yeah, so you know, as long as we get this Vince the rest of the way, I think
2: I think we're gonna have a good shot.
0: What one game did we lose? Little Rock. Who coached that? Some guy. Is it some guy we're playing next week? Yeah, we're we're all gonna have
3: PTSD flashbacks. But you know, I honestly don't think that that was so much Chris Beard. I think that was
2: just we flat out fell apart for three minutes. Yeah, Little Rock didn't win that game. Purdue lost that game. Let's yeah. not let's not pretend like Chris Beard is some evil genius who has Purdue's number. Purdue absolutely choked that game away. Yeah.
1: Everyone, everyone, well, I mean, it choked it, it all... away, and they got. Lucky that their center hits a three that hits the rim, bounces up almost over the shot clock. And then... Drops in and then they what they tie the game on, on like a three, like a step back three pointer over Re- Raphael Davis, like three feet behind the line. Yeah, and yeah, that point guard it's not like that was a brilliant, a brilliant play. It was just the guy's jab step for like 15 seconds and then hit an amazing shot. That was yeah. their last play. Th-
2: this is a narrative I'm in no way interested in because it's made up and phony. <laughs>
0: Which part is phony?
2: The fact that the coach has anything to do with the reason we lost this game. I don't think
0: the opposing coach had any reason. We had a 13-point
3: lead with three minutes to go and tripped over our own dicks. That's exactly what happened. I don't
0: think the opposing team and or players had anything to do with
3: it. The opposing coach did not not hit four fadeaways like
2: Aikens. Look, was he the coach of the team that beat us? Absolutely. Did he have a game plan? Of course he did. Was his game plan the reason they won? Absolutely not. The reason they won is because, as Travis said, we basically fell all over ourselves to hand them the game. And as Drew said, they hit shots that were just absurd that had nothing to do with coaching. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to give our big center the ball. He's going to shoot this ridiculous shot and it's going to miraculously fall in.
3: It was, to this day, were, I'm still not sure he got his foot behind the friggin line for were, a three. They
0: were up desperation. Right. That... My main point was to segue into Texas Tech Talk, not nope. talk about Thank Little Arkansas it... eight years ago.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, we we can do that. So let let's take a look at Texas Tech. They were they are twenty six and nine. They were eleven and seven in the Big Twelve. Um, if you're wanting to look at a common opponent, they beat Northwestern on November nineteenth, eighty five forty nine, and that was <laughs> the first sign that we might have had a problem with Northwestern this year. Um, their their only non conference loss was to Seton Hall by ten in a uh, something called the Under Armour Reunion in New York uh but they did they did struggle in in uh in the Big 12. Uh they had a four-game losing streak near the end of the season where they dropped games at Baylor, at Oklahoma State, at home to Kansas, and at West Virginia.
0: It's important to note that was while their best player Point was guard. either out or injured, Keenan Evans. Okay. Who has been suffering with turf toe.
2: And they also barely lost those games too.
3: Yeah, lost by 2, by 8, by 2, and by 10. Uh, probably the worst loss that they had was they lost by 18 at Iowa state and Iowa state was 13 and 18. Um, you know, pretty decent team. Obviously you don't get a three seed without being decent, uh, eight and seven against tier one, uh, RPI with they did have a tier 3 loss which uh I'm trying to look see which one that is it's actually got to be Iowa State Yeah, it's got to be Iowa State because they were 143 in the RPI. So uh strong defensive team too um that that's really what stood out to me in their first two games here against Stephen F Austin in Florida. They are very athletic defensively and I think they kind of wore Stephen F Austin down uh Stephen F. Austin had him on the ropes and then just kind of ran out of gas in the last five minutes. They have 10 I mean, players that the,
1: play yeah. double-digit
0: minutes.
3: How many The game plan against 10. them
1: is pretty easy. The, the game plan against Texas Tech is easy. If you shut down the man button, then you, you're going to beat <laughs> him. Like, he has to score for them to win. If he doesn't score, they who? don't win. The, the man, man button. For who?
3: Have you not Texas been paying attention, Texas Houston? Tech?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking you're thinking of Houston. You're thinking of the Houston guy, dummy. <laughs> yeah, I've been drinking all day. Do you not have a man bun? I, I said, don't a man act bun. like I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going look this up. Wait. You're so thinking you,
0: about Gray on Houston.
2: Wait, Casey, you, you're probably looking at Ken Palm right now. Can you tell me something about Texas Tech that will help me understand them a little better? All
0: right. First of all, like I said, they have 10 guys that play at least 10 minutes.
2: That's insane.
0: All their big guys, it is literally a rotation. Tommy Hamilton, 6'11". He's their biggest dude, 250 pounds. He plays 36% of their minute. Their other big guys, Norenz Odias is 6'9", 245. He plays 37% of their minutes. And Zach Smith is 6'8", 220. He plays 30%
2: of their minutes. So they pretty much they they have three
0: guys that play center.
2: They sound longer than beefy.
0: Yeah, they're long and athletic. Okay, That's that's their entire team. Keenan Evans is the smallest guy. He's 6'3". A lot of their guys have a good sh- three-point percentage. They're 97th best team at the three-point line, shooting 36%. But they don't shoot a ton. Pretty much, they have two chuckers: Keenan Evans, who's only a 33% three-point shooter, and then Jarrett Culver, who's 54 of 136 from the three-point line, which would be good enough for fourth made three, fourth most made threes on Purdue's team. Um, nationally, three-point attempts compared to field goal attempts, they're 273rd in the nation. So they are going to try to get the ball inside. They're going to use their length. They're going to drive. Um, they they want to get shots up at the basket. Normally, mm. that'd be fine. Now we have to worry about Matt Harms really fouling out.
2: Yeah, that's my Butler's
0: a small question. team. This team is going to give Harms a lot of trouble.
3: And I think it's going to be one where we're going to have to be smart. And if they're going to be driving to the basket, we got to be smart and step in front for some charges. Uh, try and get them in foul trouble that way. I know you only draw like two or three offensive fouls a game, but you know if, you, if they're relentlessly attacking the basket, get out and you know, try to step up. I know Eifert uh, tried to at one point today and, you know, got a BS call against him and, uh, Harvey yeah. drew
1: a nice charge. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It.
3: He, he, he drew one and I think he tried to draw another and wasn't able to get it, but yeah, it, it's going to be, you got to stay in front of him. It seems like, and that's going to be our challenge, but I do think that we're a more athletic team, unfortunately with, without Haas. It's, it's just a fact.
0: We're more athletic. Um, it's, I, it's just going to be every dude on the floor has to go at balls. They all have to play like Grady Eifert.
3: Yeah. I do think that the week off to adjust to life without Haas um, will greatly assist in that, though.
2: Oh, huge. Well, because, I mean, remember remember back when Robbie hurt his knee, you know, not only did we look terrible in the second half of that Minnesota game, but, you know, we go into the Big Ten tournament, and would we score like 40 points against Iowa – I mean, oh
3: yeah, that awful it, game against Minnesota and Indy, Minnesota, yeah, that was terrible. Whoever it was,
2: I mean, it, it was it was just terrible. We looked like we had no idea what we're doing, and it was because I think it was very close to when that happened. So at least now, like Travis said, with a week off uh, between, we can maybe tweak how we're doing things, tweak the defense a little bit um because like you said we are more athletic we are quicker maybe we go on the pick and roll a little bit differently maybe we go against screens a little differently um but you know we got to use what we have at this point because as much as we would all love Haas to pull a Willis Reed you know he's not coming out of that locker room
0: the one nice thing with how our rotations went and I talked to a lot of Purdue players about this this week it's kind of like we had two different teams all year anyway We had the squad when Haas was out, and we had the squad when Harms was out. Now it's just we're always playing the way when Harms Harms. is there, because Taylor does the same thing. So I don't think it's as big of an adjustment as it would be for most teams, or as it should be, just because we've all we've been like a two-faced team this year. No, I I agree. I agree.
1: Harms isn't having to come in and play the Haas role. He isn't coming. We're not coming in asking him to do what Haas did. He's not. Really, I mean, he's Haas's replacement in, types, in terms of minutes, but we're playing a totally different style with him on the court. So it's not like he's really a direct replacement for Haas. We just play differently now. I also would
3: argue that it was harder to replace Hummel than it was Haas because Hummel was such a versatile player. I mean we well, went sure, to Hummel I mean, for passing, we went him for rebounding, he shot outside, he drove the basket, everything else. Haas basically is be big on defense. He's he struggles defensively, to say it politely. And uh, it's the, all right, be big. We're going to put you on the low block and no one can defend you one-on-one. Whereas, you know, Hummel was just such an integral part in so many facets of our offense at the time. It really threw everything off.
0: Yeah, I don't think you can argue. I mean, Hummel was a top 10 college player before he blew out his knee every year.
3: Right. And, 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 you know, it's nice having Isaac. You know, I I love the kid. He's a great player for us and everything else. But I, I don't think it's as crippling as it was losing Hummel. And, and that's not here's where, here's away where it's a myself. problem.
0: It's a problem in those three minute stretches like we saw against Butler where we we had no other avenue to get a look because normally we have we have 10 to 20 possessions a game where athleticism does not matter. Right. Being out athleted at every position would not matter. Because we have Isaac Haas, who is going to be inside and have an advantage. So we have to be better. We have to be. We have to play harder. We can't give up rebounds. We have to be—everyone has to be better because Haas is gone. So it does make a big difference. But I don't think it's a style difference. It's just we have to be sharper.
3: Agreed. So we should probably start bringing this thing in for a landing here because I know it's 11.05 on the East Coast. And Xavier is about to fall to Florida State, possibly— uh, let's let's just go around the horn. Um, do we beat Texas Tech?
1: Drew, lead us off there. Yes, yes, we beat Texas Tech. Um, their coach basically had to throw out his entire whatever he had prepared to play Purdue game plan wise. Um, just run the pick and roll at us until we die strategy is off the table. So I think I think he, that's uh, going to play in our favor. Whatever happened when he coached against Little Rock, whatever game plan he brought is not going to work this time.
3: (laughs) Okay, Casey, do we beat Texas Tech?
0: Look, I'm not going to Boston to just be there for one night. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to win. We're going to win. We still have three seniors. That's a hell of a lot more than most teams have. And PJ and Vince has both found their games again. Harms has been good. Taylor is good. We still have a team I believe in. Um, we've still got, I mean, Klein had a good game and he only scored five points. We've seen him go off. Um, I think someone's going to have a game Eastern Klein, PJ. And I I think we pulled out. I think if not this year, then never. And I believe in the squad. Haas or not.
2: All right. Lemon. What do you think? I, I, I want to say yes, but I don't, I don't know enough about tech. Listen, listen, Listen. I don't know enough about Texas tech. I've literally watched one half of basketball for them. And that was when they played Florida on Saturday. And here's
0: what what you should know. They beat Florida by three points. Florida is shitty.
2: Yeah. I watched the game. I'm that's what I'm literally telling you. So what more do you want? Would you let me finish my thought and I'll get to the conclusion? You unmitigated ass.
0: (laughs) What does that lawyer word mean?
2: Okay. My point is I want to say Yes. The last time I went to a Sweet 16 game was when we were down in Houston and we played Duke. And I'll tell you, Casey, since you're probably going to Boston, if they lose, you're going to be miserable. You're going to go. I
0: went to Kansas last year, Ledman. I got
2: it. (laughs) So I really hope for your. We lost by
0: 30 in 10 minutes.
2: That doesn't happen again. (laughs) So I think, yes, I think we will. Beat Texas Tech, but who knows what's going to happen the next game because we don't even know who we're going to play yet. But if the team can make it to the Elite Eight, I will be thrilled. It's house money. I'm going to go go with us over Texas Tech. Yeah, way to come home. Uh, I I. Oh man! We know he's gonna say no. He's gonna say he has a bad feeling about this game. I got a feeling. There, there.
3: Like you guys said, there's so much relying on it. We got to get good Vince and good PJ. We get this PJ. We get this uh, Vince that we had today. We're fine. But if Vince it shows up, I don't know. And, and you know, it, it's all contingent upon Vince. And how?
0: By the way, how did the narrative become that Vince doesn't show up in big games? His March numbers are ridiculous.
3: Well, I think it comes from the, just
2: the games where he does little to nothing. And he's they had don't a lot exist of
0: exist in March.
2: Well, I don't think the narrative is he doesn't show up in March. I think they're shit. I think the narrative is just that he has games where he goes away. No, the narrative
0: yeah. is he doesn't show up in big games. Who's he I'm on Twitter? That? I'm on Twitter. I read our comments.
2: Oh, well, that's your first mistake. Yeah. Agreed. I'm just saying they're there. The internet is a scary place.
3: I know. Well, uh, he he only had eight points on three of eight shooting last year against Kansas, but all hell broke. After dropping twenty
0: one back to game. back, no one played good against Kansas.
2: Yeah, that Kansas game was a nightmare. Yeah, the, the last fifteen minutes of it was a nightmare. So, what's your answer, though, uh, Big Ah, <laughs> uh, what'd you call
1: him?
3: I think Big it'll be a tight game, and I think we pull it off in the end because oh, oh, th- this. It has felt for a long time like the Elite Eight um, was kind of the minimum, really, for minimum expectations. Xavier just lost. Xavier is done. Xavier's done.
0: We are the only bracket left with a one seed.
3: I think after Hummel, I think after 1988, I think after Big Dog in 94 hurting his back, the universe freaking owes this one, damn it. And I think we're going to get it this this coming
2: weekend. Add a baby, Travis.
0: Am I right about that? Is that yes. the only one seed left?
2: No, 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 no.
0: Besides Villanova,
2: because Virgin Virginia lost, Xavier lost, Kansas and Villanova. Are the no, same.
0: Kansas is still in. That's
2: right. But we're the only bracket that has the
3: top four, right? The, the entire left half of the bracket has lost both one seeds and both two seeds, and Michigan is the highest-rated
2: team on the left half of the bracket. Yeah. So I mean. Like I was
0: going to say, there's going to be three big 10 teams in the final four, but whoops.
2: Yeah. So sorry, Sparty. So in the West, it's a nine, a four, a three and a seven in the Midwest. It's a one, a five and 11 and a two, uh, in the South, it's a nine, a five, 11 and a seven. Like how much would you kill to be in that bracket right now? Oh God. yes. And then ours is a one, a two and a three, uh,
0: I don't like to play that game because we all looked at the bracket and we're like, oh, thank God we got put where we got put.
2: Right. And then the other other sweet 16 is still pending uh, West Virginia or Marshall. So it's either going to be a 5 or a 13. And that, and that's the one that's going to play Villanova in our region too. Oh, yeah. So you know, and
3: I kind of want West Virginia just because of that familiarity we have of scrimmaging with them the last couple of years. I mean, Painter and Huggins know each other well, so I think How that would be a hell of wanting them
0: because game. Villanova is by far the best team in the country.
3: Yeah, Villanova is Villanova's Villanova. There is no shame in losing to them whatsoever. But after after what we did to them last year, Mackie, I would love another shot at them, honestly. Oh.
2: I'd love another shot at whoever team we can beat to get to the final four.
3: Yeah. I I don't care if we would have had to, you know, beat Radford honestly. As long yeah. as we get there.
2: I don't care if we have to go through Loyola Chicago, UMBC and like Buffalo. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, I think that'll uh That'll wrap things up for us tonight.
3: And uh, we do appreciate you guys listening to everything in RNA and ramblings this year. And I know I appreciate Casey and Juan for handling everything in Detroit this weekend. They did a great job. Casey's going to go to Boston, assuming his credential gets approved, which it probably will. And uh, Mm. we're keeping this train rolling for at least another week. And it's a lot of fun. And this is this is what we've waited for. And hopefully they'll keep going through it. So does anybody else have any final thoughts?
0: Yeah, I'm not ready to say goodbye to this team.
3: Neither am I. Well, for Casey, for Andrew, and for Drew, uh, this is T-Mill from HammerAndRails.com. We appreciate you listening, and boiler up. Boiler up.